Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 117 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another wacky Wednesday. I gotta double check. Is it actually episode 117? It is. Alright. Uh, man, these Wednesdays come fast. I was just seemed like I was just trying to line up another a guest beforehand. Um, for long-time listeners, you can, uh, you know, do something else. But for the new listeners, uh, around here, every Wednesday is an interview day. And then every Sunday is a rant episode daily. Sunday shit show, whatever you want to call it. You know, I'll talk about, uh, you know, whatever happens to be topical in the world of hockey. Or, uh, you know, if I find an article um, this past Sunday, um, somebody, a uh, listener had sent me an article uh, from Sportster, some website, I can't remember, it was for a few years old, <clears throat> but the uh, article was the 15 worst enforcers of all time, and uh, yeah, that was quite a list, uh, so please go back and check out that uh, uh, episode 116 uh, for that list. Um yeah, guys, uh, once again, it's uh, Tuesday night, and uh, I'm going to be talking to my guest tonight, um, or I'm, I'm recording this Tuesday after work, you're listening to it on Wednesday, obviously, uh, Time Warp, but um, I am talking to my guest tonight, Dan, uh, Dan Kopeck, Dangerous Dan Kopeck, uh, he was, uh, and we were doing another one of the five toughest opponent segments, uh, returning guest Dan Kopeck, I should say. Um, he was episode 14, if you want to go back and listen to the full-length episode uh, I did with Dan, where we timelined his entire career. And uh, Dan was a great guest, told some great stories. Um, really looking forward to hearing about his five toughest opponents. And uh, yeah, Dan played in the Western Hockey League with the Brandon Wheat Kings. Um, you know, with um, <clears throat> uh, Brandon Wheat Kings with the Spokane Chiefs. I uh, played a year at the Weyburn Red Wings in the SJHL. Then uh, he played college for a couple years, and then he turned pro and played in the East Coast League. And then wrapped up his career with one final year in the crazy Quebec Senior Hockey League, the LNAH, with the with the infamous Laval Chiefs. And he told some great stories about playing in Laval. And uh, I'm sure he'll tell some more tonight when I talk to him. I'm sure out of his five toughest opponents, a couple of those fights will be from the Quebec League, I would imagine. But... Um, yeah, so again, I'm kind of putting the cart before the horse here. But uh, other than that, like I said, proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. Um, so whatever team, all the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Of course, the uh, Knights, Islanders, uh, Habs, and Tampa Bay. Uh, th- those guys, their shows are obviously be humming along and uh, sp- spitting out content uh, as the teams play on here. Um 
but yeah, definitely, uh, whatever. And like I said, the network has really tried to branch off with a number of things. Um, there's a life after hockey show. There's myself and Terry Ryan, of course, with the original content. Um, yeah. Uh, mental health shows. There's there, like I said, the network's trying to cover all, like not just the NHL teams, obviously, but branch out as well. So, uh, definitely, uh, bounce around the network, uh, see what's out there. Um, also for my off network friends, of course, Jolton Joe Lazito over the Coliseum Chronicles. He is an Islander enforcer podcast. And uh, Joe's done some great work uh, with Mick Fakoda, Aaron Asham, Eric Bolton, on and on. Um, although he's uh, he's kind of branched off. He's doing something a little different. Because um, I guess there's only so many Islander guys you can talk to. But uh, um, his, his latest episode is with Kevin Kaminsky, um, who of course never played for the Islanders. But... Um, certainly played with guys that were, uh, that went on to be Islanders and fought guys that were, you know, in the, in the system. Sticking with the Islander theme, of course. Um, and it's not, and it's not about Kevin's career. It's about his thoughts on those guys and, and that type of thing. And, and Kevin's always been a great guest. I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking, I talked to him the other day about getting him on the show here and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go over his whole career and, you know, he had a great career and it would be cool to talk about the old, uh, the old 80 SAS Tomb Blades and stuff, of course, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And he already, he's agreed to come on the show. We just got to uh, set up a time. So um, I have a number of guests. I've got some, actually, guys, to be, I've got some really cool guests on deck here that are coming. Um, that And I know a couple of them have never done podcasts before. So it'll be, uh, and I know they're, they're, they're really excited to do it. I mean, I've had guys, oh, yeah, sure thing, bro. And then you never hear from them again or whatever. But, um, these two in particular have taken a real active role in the interview, um, in terms of just like with questions and, and really on the ball with, um, you know, I've mentioned some, oh, yeah, and talk about that and whatever. And they bring up different story. Ask me about this. And so, I mean, they're really into it. And it's just, um, you know, coming up with a time and, um, of course, like I said, regular listeners will know. Work has been busy for me. This picks up June, July, and August are kind of my busy months. And, um, and of course, we're also trying to sell our condo, so we've been in a bit of a time warp here. And all my vehicle issues and blah blah. blah. There's always seems to be something going on every night after work. I got to go do something. So um, my schedule has been a little bit up in the air. Um, and you know, when you're trying to plan with someone else, and you have time differences and. And they're in Ontario, so they're two hours ahead and whatever. And, of course, they got a life. And on the weekends, they go out camping and fishing and whatever. So you're, you're kind of, you know, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, it'll definitely happen. Um, I'm not going anywhere. Hopefully, you listeners aren't going anywhere. So I will certainly, at some point, the interview will come out. Um, and like I said, an actual part of me, um, I, I, I really don't want some, I think the interview sort of, I shouldn't say that because Dakota Audrey's interview did really well. It was uh, really well received, and, and you know, and it, it, I think it was like 50th in Canada for a, a couple of days there, which was cool. The, the support was really great on that, and the feedback was all really positive. So uh, I was going to say, I think with the playoffs and everything going on, um, I'm thinking player interviews are kind of really getting lost in the shuffle. But now that there's only a couple games, maybe, maybe not. I could be wrong. Like I said, I guess Dakota's interview the the reception was quite well there did quite well so you know maybe i'm talking out my ass but um uh yeah i mean we'll see but uh yeah i'm really looking forward to sitting down and talking to those guys i got all my questions laid out so um it's gonna be they're gonna be really in depth and uh you know how we do it around here so um i'm really looking forward to bringing that for to you guys but um yeah but uh 
What was I saying? Oh yeah, and Joe's uh, Kevin Kaminsky interview. I've, I'm about halfway through it. It's been really cool to listen. Um, like I said, Joe does a great job. He's been around. Uh, Joe's done this for a long time. And uh, you know, hold on, talk amongst yourselves. I keep talking. I'm going over here. It's like 32 out today, so I got to I got to turn the fan on here in the in the back room, the oscillating fan. So if you hear that, that's just uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, Joe's been around, and like I said, he was, uh, for those that remember the, the Tough Guy magazines that used to come out once a year that us old fight fans, before the, before the internet and the Google machine, we craved those hockey fight magazines, and, uh, he was a big contributor to those, as well as, uh, the Stan Fischler Bad Boys books, um, yeah, Joe, uh, Joe really, really did a lot of work on those as well. Uh, how many of those were there? Four? Three or four? I used to be able to turn around and look at my bookshelf because they were all right there, but everything's packed up. I'm pretty much sitting in a hollow room. Uh, you can probably hear the echo, actually. But, um, yeah, so he's, he's, Joe's been around because, like, like I said, Joe's fucking old. So, you know, um, but Joe, uh, while well, he'll be, he'll probably be wearing black and not talking to anybody after that, what was it, eight nothing shellac and that his Islanders took last, that was embarrassing, Joe. Come on, what are we doing here? I don't know. Joe's probably out on the street corner yelling about Josh Bailey and Brock Nelson in his number one Wang jersey. That's an inside joke. Nobody will get that, but Joe and I. But Joe and I have been. Uh, we were sending. We were talking private messages today, like a couple little schoolgirls passing notes. Yeah, laughing at all you fucking schmucks. But no, Joe's a good dude. Known Joe a long time, uh, and definitely, in all seriousness, check out his show. His back catalog is tremendous. Um, yeah, follow him on social media. Send him a note. Uh, Joe's a good dude. He'll get back to you right away. Um, definitely. Jolton Joe Lazito. Give me the Lazito. So, but also, I'm not even going to talk five for five. I'm not talking about that much show. Till he, he keeps saying he's coming back, but I know he's down there with his feet up, drinking his uh, white claws down by the, by the, by the pool at the, at the new complex there in Fort Myer. Tough life. Yeah. I'm not even going to talk about that guy. But uh, other than that, friend Dave over at the Slewfoot Show and Dan, Paul, and Kelly at the Obey the Puck Show. They are a couple current shows that uh, talk all things hockey and whatever happens to be topical at the moment, whether it be in the minors, women's hockey, junior hockey, road hockey, I don't know, ball hockey, roller hockey. Remember the RHI? Completely off topic. I don't, what was I doing the other night? And I was, and I came across some RHI, it was on YouTube. I came across an RHI video and I was watching the game there for a while. What a scene. Actually, there were some, like, there were some tough dudes that played in that league. And it was at the RHI, there was another one. I think it was like M, MLH, Major League, MLRH, Major League Roller Hockey. Was that what it was? There was that league, and then there was RHI. But oh yeah, there was some like like Chad Wagner and Langdon, and those guys played in that league. Lakovic played for the Vancouver Voodoo. There was some tilts too. I remember I had a Langdon, a Darren Langdon uh, roller hockey fight on some fight video somewhere. I need to dig that up uh, if I do. But speaking of fight videos, if you are so inclined to watch such things, hit up the YouTubes. And check out Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. I have over 2,500 fight videos on my channel. From junior to pro, all the leagues. I got everything sorted, so do go to the little search thing. Boom, boom, boom. Whatever league you're looking for, it'll all come up. And, uh, yeah. 
like I said, there's something for everybody from Junior A, hell, Junior B, all the way to the minors to the NHL. There's uh, always something. I, I haven't been putting stuff up as much as I as I would like to lately, uh, just due to like time. Plus, I really don't have any fight DVDs here. Like I said, everything's sort of packed away and sitting in a closet, so uh, waiting to move. So, uh, I, though I do have a few DVDs around here, but uh, I need to get on that. I'll hopefully uh, maybe this weekend I'll put some stuff up. But definitely check that out. Subscribe to the channel. Um, also, if you happen to be on social media, why? But if you happen to, if you want to punish yourself and be on social media, uh, I'm going to talk about that in a second. But uh, follow me on Twitter and for, uh, at Fourth Line Voice, of course, on Twitter as well as at on Facebook. Um, also, join the Enforcer Appreciation Group or the uh, Fights, Hits, and Brawls Group, and. Uh, Share pictures and videos and uh, and what have you on there with fellow fight fans. Although I question if some of them are actually fight fans with the shit they post, but it seemed to be a lot of crying. But I'm going to get into all that on Sunday. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to start ranting and raving on on Wednesdays. This is Dan's episode, so I'm not going to do that. But um, the one thing I will bring up, I'm not going to mention their names because it came up today. One of the topics that I've seen on social media. Despite everyone crying about the bad refing, and even I, I will actually, I was out at the farm on Sunday, so I watched the debacle, the Montreal-Vegas game. Everybody goes on and on about the ref. Yeah, there was, uh, I think we had about, I think there was eight people in the room watching the game. I think, literally, I'm not lying. This isn't just hyperbole. I'm not just saying this. Uh, five of them were nodding off. That's how exciting the product is. Yeah, and you think the refing is the problem. That was the only exciting part was what the refs were letting go. But yeah, I will, even I will admit that was a poorly ref game. Now, do I think it was because the league wants Las Vegas to win the cup? No, that is just idiocy. But apparently this, this of course, conspiracy theory is going around social media. And I saw it at a bunch of places. I was just like, oh God. So I went on my Facebook page, on my own page, and I just asked, because I have about a thousand friends, followers, whatever they call it on Facebook, friends, I guess, um... I said, okay, I see this, everybody's saying Vegas, they want Vegas, to, Batman wants Vegas to win the cup, why? And of course, we got a bunch of people replying, oh, it's money and all this and all that, and nobody was really making much sense. I mean, they had their little argument, but none of it made any sense, really. But okay, but we were going back and forth, no problem, and then a couple other guys got in there, and then they start arguing amongst themselves, and then, of course, like, a bunch of children, then the... The, homo- the homophobic slurs got to start getting thrown, the, the gay bashing and everything, calling each other names, and it's like, really? Growing adults? Like, what are we doing? So, I, I booted them off of my page, I erased the thread. Thank you, YouTube, once again, for uh, being adults. Yeah, can't even have a, a, a conversation, or, or just a, heaven forbid someone has a different opinion. Like, I had a different opinion than all the people that commented, but we weren't yelling and gay bashing. Like, really? Like, these are grown, well, apparently supposed to be grown adults. Like, so, you two, if you happen to be listening to this show, you can take your shit elsewhere. I don't appreciate that on my page. I don't want to read that, and I don't want to see it. You can go on your page and say all the shit you want, whatever. I'm not telling you what you can and can't say, but you're not saying it on my page beat it. I don't want any part of it and uh, grow up. So, there. That is that. But, uh, yeah. So that was a little, not sadly, not surprising in the least, but just 
the head shaking that it's a grown adult, little like fanboys that can't contain themselves. It's embarrassing. But whatever. Such as social media. But anyway, enough of this. Let's get on to my talk with uh, Dan Kopak. And like I said, if you want to go back, uh, please check out my back catalog. Um, and it's episode 14 with Dan. And uh, he was a great guest. Uh, so great having him back. And uh, like I said, I've said this a number of times. I'm really enjoying um, I always enjoy having the guys back anyway. Uh, but I kind of really dig this uh the five toughest opponents. It's, you know, they're kind of quick, you know, whatever in and out and, but, you know, get a funny little blurb on each guy and, and, it, and it's, a, and it's, and it's cool just to reconnect with the guys. So, um, I'm enjoying doing these. Um, I'm going to continue to do them. Um, but I'm all, but I was asked, are you going to go back to doing some full length interviews and blah, blah. Yes, I certainly will. I'm not, I'm not going to just abandon that and just do this, but, uh, no, I will certainly do some full length interviews. Um, but, uh, time is tough right now, and, uh, I don't want to say this is last ditch or anything like that, I don't mean it like that, but, uh, this is, this is just, uh, I want to bring you guys content, and I enjoy doing this, and it's cool to catch up, so it all works out, so, but at any rate, let's get on with things. Here's my conversation with Dan, Dan Kopak about his five toughest opponents, we'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks, everybody. All right, here we are on the fourth line voice, returning guest, another one of our, uh, another one of the uh, five toughest opponent uh, segments that that I've been doing lately. And uh, uh, this gentleman I've had on, he w- he was episode fourteen. If I encourage you all to go back and check out his back interview, but on the phone I have Dan Kopeck. Dan, how are you doing today? Good, real good, excellent. Glad to be back. Well, right on. Yeah, like I said, episode fourteen, and we, uh, you know, we timelined your entire career. You know, we started in, uh, you know, in Brandon, and went through Spokane and Weyburn, and uh, and then on to Pro, and of course, wrapping it up in the in the crazy uh, Quebec League with the Laval Chiefs. And uh, actually, it was funny. I was watching that uh, that DVD the other night to catch up on this, and uh, crazy times, man. Just before we get into your five toughest opponents and all that, just I don't know we talked about it in your first interview and all that, but just for the for the new listeners, um, <laughs> when you first si- when you first signed on with Laval and got down there, were you aware of what you were actually getting into? I don't know if I, I don't think anybody who comes into that league for the first time is probably a hundred percent aware of what they're getting into. I mean. I actually, you know what, I, I really didn't do very much background check into what it was when we got there. Uh, I went down there in the summertime. They actually flew me in in the summer. I'm not sure if they even talked about that in the first time we talked, but they brought me down in the summer to have a look around. Eh? So I got to know who, who was there, kind of, but I really didn't know who the other teams were and what they had in, uh, on, their, like on their rosters or whatever, but I kind of knew what Laval had, so... And I know they were trying to get Rizans off too to come down at the same time as me. So we were both talking back and forth. And, you know, he ended up going there first before I got there because I didn't get to kill a few games in the season. So he kind of gave me a heads up too once he got there. But no, I don't think anybody's really quite ready for that when they step out there. I mean, being a fighter or whatever, being used to it, that part of it probably wasn't, you know, much of a shocker. But yeah, it's a little bit different. I think it's just more of the the way the fans treat it and the way the owner is and the you know how they how it's encouraged and that's what their big selling 
part of the team is or whatever, especially in Laval. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a shocker. But after a couple games and you see who you got with you on your team too, it's kind of a little bit made a little bit more interesting. Yeah, well, like you said, like your your the Laval team was pretty pretty crazy. Like they were always crazy, but that year, I mean, like I said, you got Rez there with you and the Matthew Rabby and Jolly and DeGers and uh Craig Martin and Bajerni and Renard, Chad Richard, Patrick Cote, Louis Bedard, oh, on and on. Um some wide Marco Cefalo, but he was only there for the for the ten games. I had Marco on the show uh a little while back and uh and he was talking about a few stories and had some, and I just had Razanzoff on the show as well. So, no, I always, uh, mm-hmm. I know the listeners always enjoy the, uh, the, the crazy Quebec League stories. I mean, when you, when you go over the rosters and you just talk about, uh, well, like you said, how it was basically, it was, it was encouraged, right? And it was the show and everything else. It's, uh, it, it's sort of, especially when you see hockey, cause this was 0203 when you were down there. I mean, you look at it and today's hockey, I mean, that just seems like a whole different world back then. Well, I, I've told people before, I might have said it on the first, when we first talked, I just don't, I think the average person that was considered themselves, you know, fairly tough or whatever, especially going out against Laval, I mean, you'd probably, if you did your homework and you were anywhere and you played pro hockey at anywhere before that, and you were familiar with the guys that were there, you, you would you wouldn't be sleeping pretty very well before you came out on the ice against that team. I mean, I always tell people if they ever ask me, I mean, that's literally had to be the toughest team on the planet. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And there wasn't like, and like you said, I mean, back especially at the like with the money that was getting paid to the tough guys and what was expected. Yeah, you weren't rolling in there and saying, "Yeah, not tonight, fellas, not in the mood." Like that wasn't happening. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, there was no. You had no. You had no choice, and I mean, I guess the good part about it is it was a two-fight league instead of a three-fight league because you could be out by, you know, later halfway through the first period. If you, <laughs> you yeah. probably, you might get the first, the first one was going to be quick. You might be able to back guys off for a little while and say you want to play a little bit, but inevitably you were going to get in the second one at some point. Yeah. Actually, as I was just kind of looking, before we get into your list here, uh, I don't know if we talked about this in the first episode. I can't remember. Uh, I was just kind of scrolling the roster here. Just I didn't. Ah, maybe I did bring it up, but I'll ask you anyway, just in case we didn't. Um, I know he's only there for the couple games. Was Trevor Doyle? Do you remember Trevor? I remember him, and somebody else asked me about that. But because I I would go, they lit. I would probably go home every five weeks. Being I was I had it was had it my. I stayed home and my kid was still at home so I basically go in for five weeks at a time and then probably go home for four or five ga- days or whatever or maybe a week they'd fly me back so I know he came in there actually at a time when I came home and I don't, I don't know if he played too many games but I know I don't think we overlapped where we actually played on the same at the same time eh? okay yeah no he just played two games and that was it but uh, yeah. yeah I just saw his name there and I, for, I forgot to ask you about that but uh uh, oh, so you! Oh, so you actually didn't play the entire season. You would obviously miss games, like you said. Yeah, well, I was suspended a couple. I think we played around fifty-four games or 50, something like that, and I ended up playing close to forty. But for probably about eight or eight of those games, I came back just because I couldn't. I mean, my wife couldn't come out there at all. So for me, I had to come home. You know, probably at least three times during the season. So I think I missed probably eight games or so on a weekend just maybe seven eight games if 
by coming home. So I probably wouldn't have stayed married if I wouldn't have come home. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, one last name before we get into your list that I have to ask you about. And I mean, I know I talked about it in the last interview with you, but he's such a polarizing figure. And, and uh, you know, when you're talking about the Quebec League and, and the Laval team, um, was, of course, is uh, Patrick Cote, you know, and if he's had his issues and they're well documented. We don't need to go into those here. But uh, did, uh, did you get along with Patrick? And uh, what were your interactions like with him? Well, he, I mean, he's so quiet. Like, he, that's the one thing I knew knew of him when I got there. And, I mean, you expect when you probably every guy, when you're Pat or whatever, Cote or whatever, you're thinking maybe he's going to be off the wall and, you know, in practice or whatever, you know. But do we hit each other or whatever? What's going to happen? He is not at all like that. He's quiet. Like, if you didn't say anything to him, he probably wouldn't say a word. And he kind of runs on his own time and his own clock or whatever. <laughs> He's there and he gets on the ice and I mean, he's got no emotion either way. Like he just it was kind of neat to watch because he is like he's one of the toughest guys I've seen because he's just absolutely fearless and, and couldn't care last who you were or who thought you were. I mean, that's how he was. I mean, he's meeting him on the street. He's the nicest guy you'd ever meet. Dressing him, good guy. Well, there, well, there we go. The uh, yeah, like you said, Neb, you know, from all the all the guys I've had on the show, um, yeah, all the teammates say the same thing, pretty much the same as you. Yeah, pretty quiet dude, and always got along with everybody. Um, but then other guys, of course, that played against them, you know, there's been a few that are like, oh yeah, he's like the meanest bastard I ever played against, right? It was just like flip the switch, and when it was time to go, it was time to go. I guess. Well, I think he's the scariest guy. I think we. I said, I think he's one of the scariest because he's, you know, I, I don't think he has any fear. He's not, he, he, like, you just watch his NHL fights, and I mean, he seeks guys out, right? Like, yeah. he's, you bump, and it doesn't matter if it's Probert or Twist or whoever, he'll fight you twice or three times a game. Like, it's not even, he doesn't care, and that's, and he's not a cheap shot guy. Like, he's not going to spear you or stick you. He just, gonna, he just wants to fight. And to me, that's like, those guys don't come along too often where, you know, like I said, you could probably beat the whatever out of them. And he's coming right back even again. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, all right. Uh, well, we'll get right into it. Uh, the Dan Kopech's five toughest opponents. Like I said, we'll start at, uh, we'll start at five and work our way down. Who do you got for number five? I got a guy I played against in the Central League that was honestly not the biggest guy, probably not the meanest guy, but he fought me every time we played. His name is Dwight Mullins. So, I don't know if you know him, but he's played for quite a few years, and I think he played in WHL back when it was the Billings Bighorns, and and I had to even look him up, but I bet you we fought four or five times that year, and honestly, he was like I said, he's maybe six feet tall, about 220 pounds, but and he may not even think he was going to win every fight he fought me, but he showed up every single night we played, and I think we at least fought four or five times because we only we must have played each other like a dozen times. <laughs> so I had him as number five. I have a ton of respect for that guy. There, well, there you go. Yeah, it was just kind of um, yeah. That was uh, yeah. You hit me with that name. I was I wasn't I wasn't expecting that one. Um, yeah, he he was in Fort Worth, right? Yeah. 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 yeah he's uh. I'm not sure he ever left Texas area. I think he's still down there because I, I know he was coaching. Well, he was coaching in the North American League, I think, and he was 
been stayed in hockey ever since we he was in uh, Elmira, I think, coaching, and yeah. I think he was even working for Dallas Stars too. So, like, but yeah, he's a good guy, honest guy, and I mean, we fought before the national anthem one night before it worked. Like, that's the type of guy he was. He was just. <laughs> He's a good. I, if he was on my team, he'd be awesome because you know he's going to show up every night and play him. And I think he was probably six years older than me too, so it tells you. Yeah, born in bo- yeah, born in '67. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting because he yeah he played the two games in the eye and then like didn't play for like four seasons. Then all of a sudden he comes back and he's playing for Fort Worth for a couple years. I yeah, put up some decent numbers too. Yeah, no, he was a good player. Like he wasn't a guy that just came over the boards just you know to fight i mean he was a big part of their team he might he might have been the captain i'm not sure close to it because but he knew like i mean i guess melnichuk was with me at the time too we had a tough team wichita when we were probably easily the toughest team in the central league and they knew that when they played us that they just couldn't get you know they weren't going to get away from it so but i mean he showed up every time we played and i'm like this guy keeps coming at me so i have him on my list well, I was gonna say you, you. Well, you mentioned you fought him before the. Well, how how did you guys end up fighting before the anthem? Oh, that that happened in Fort Worth. We were we were playing in in downtown in the big arena. I remember, and and you does. There's times back in the then. I mean, maybe it's not so much now. But when you get off the ice, like when you go off the ice, the visiting team has to cross through the 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 home team's end day eh, for warm up to go okay. off the ice. And so when we were going through the, I remember I was off the ice. Malnichuk was off the ice. Everybody's in the room, but all of a sudden, well, you know, Brad Wells is coaching us, and he comes in the room and he's just going bananas. Like I think he was, you know, I mean, half in the bag and half crying and whatever. And then he's like, "You can't believe this! He shot a puck at our goalie going off the ice because and hit him in the back of the leg, you know." And they were laughing about it or whatever. Right? So okay, yeah, whatever. I mean, everybody's off the ice. They go out do their ice come back on he's like i think so we get back on the ice i'm going skating around and they put out the red carpet for the lady to come out and sing i remember and i get on the bench and i'm sitting there i don't even have my helmet my gloves on and all of a sudden i look over and the backup goalie must have done something to their player when they were coming the guy that got hit with the puck did something to their bench when he was we were going to the benches and the benches are side by side and all of a sudden hell breaks loose whatever and wells is going bananas whatever and i'm like the lady's on the ice to sing or whatever and I'm like everybody's starting to push and shove in between the benches and I'm, I'm like I don't have my helmet or my glove on I just jump over the boards we, I come around and all of a sudden he's there or whatever and I mean it's just it happens or whatever we squared off right at center ice like the lady's still out there they're trying to get everybody me and him are fighting at center ice the glass is knocked down between the benches like I at one time once the fight was over I think I had their coaches tie and like pulling them over the boards and Wells was in half in their bench and oh it was I think we started the game with like nine players oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh the good old the good old days yeah well it was yeah we I got kicked out I mean I think I got four I got a long suspension because I, I came home after that because they were going on another road trip and I think it was in I actually had the article it was in the hockey news that whole that whole melee a bunch of guys got suspended or whatever we had, we ended up playing with like nine guys I think they had about the same eh? and we ended up winning the game too I remember <laughs> but I think I got four games for that <laughs> tremendous okay uh, number four oh uh, I I went back to the Central League again probably a guy you probably know of and he, he was almost the same type of player but 
a good player, and I had Jason Rushton. There you go. So he, we fought four times. Maybe fought every game we fought. It seemed like every night we fought. I mean, he he wasn't as big probably as he was when he later on. Like I think he got pretty big or whatever. But he was a good player too, and he'd show yep. up in Tulsa and we'd fight every night. <laughs> so and he's a good fighter, like a really good fighter. So not a guy you'd maybe want to. You wouldn't. You might look at him. You'd take him lightly if you didn't know him. He'd, he'd knock you out. No, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, like you said, good player. Like that year in Tulsa, you know, 64 games. He's got 37 goals in like 340 minutes. So, I mean, like, you yeah. know, like shit's happening every time that guy's coming over the boards. Yeah, like, and he had, you know, they had a decently tough team too. But, I mean, he knew, he, they knew they had to show up and play Wichita. Like, I mean, it was just, maybe it was Wichita. I don't know. But, yeah, like you said, he's got over 300 and some minutes of penalties. He ain't, they're not, all misconducts, you know, like so. He, he played pretty tough all year. Yeah, did uh, did you ever notice, like when you, when you played guys, like they always called them homers or whatever, like guys that would play tougher at home than they than they uh, than they did on the road. Did you ever find uh, a, a few guys that did that? Yeah, I might a couple, especially in that league, so more so because you noticed it because you played everybody so many times. Yeah, yeah. There's maybe a guy or two in that league, I'd say, that would do that. Yeah, he wasn't one of them. I mean, we fought in tall. I think he fought me probably most of the time with stuff. Yeah. He might say the same about me. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, usually most of my fights are on the road. So, But, uh, yeah, I think we probably fought out of four or five times. I mean, once in Tulsa and probably the rest are in Wichita. But I think we fought twice the first night we ever played against each other. Yeah, and I, he's a, I think he's a lefty too, isn't he? If I remember right, the lefty. Yeah. yeah. How did yeah. how did that? Uh... Well, that's why you got to watch him. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like he he was pretty. Last time I seen him on YouTube or something, he's pretty. I think he was in Quebec. He's pretty stocky. Like he was. Yeah. Wide, but back then he's like really slim, like pretty wiry, and uh, good player. Like I said, he could skate, do he could score, but he's a lefty and he's pretty shifty. Like you got to watch him because he'll sneak it in or whatever. Right? So. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, and and like you said, yeah, and I mean, yeah, he he played a long time, and of course, you know, towards the end, I mean, he bounced around, but uh, yeah, he played like you know, last what was it, uh, five or six years there in the Quebec League, but uh, uh, I'm trying to look at no, he showed up a year after you were there, um, but yeah, he uh, yeah, he did it for a long time, and definitely a tough dude, and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mayrad was saying the same thing about him. Yeah, because they had that that battle in that enforcers tournament, right? In that uh, pay per view yeah, hockey. Right, he was in that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, right, yeah. yeah and Mayrad, uh, him and him and Rushton had uh, had that really good semifinal fight, and uh, I think Dean was saying for whatever reason he doesn't know why, but Rushton switched and went back to rights. And he goes, if he had stuck with his left hand, he goes, he probably would have beat me. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I believe that's what he was talking about, but. Uh, but yeah, Russia was a bad dude, man. Yep. But uh, all right, well, number three. Uh, well, I went back to the coast this one. I'm, I, I, I fought him maybe once, maybe twice. His name is Ron Magic. I don't know if you know who yep. he is, but yeah, he's a like wasn't around a long time, but he played for Brof in Hampton Roads. Eh? So Brof had him always wired up every time we played. Raleigh, and I think we fought twice, and I'm pretty sure I have one of them on video. But he's a big man and like strong and tough. Like if you if you're gonna 
go into a game and fight, you know with him you're going to have to be. There's not too many times I felt like I'm overmatched with size or power, but he's just he's a huge guy. We're just wide, too. So, But uh, we fought in Hampton one time, and he was like all I could handle. And, and like You don't want to get him. You don't want to get him at the end of a shift. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I mean, just, you know, looking at your hockey DB, I mean, they they list you at six four two twenty. Like, were you actually six foot four? Oh yeah, oh at least, uh, yeah, a little, maybe a little over. It. Yeah, at that time, I was probably a little heavier at that time too when I was playing in Raleigh because I trimmed down the older I got. But he, he's at least two forty. Like, I mean, he's six four two four. He's a, just a beast of a guy. <laughs> when when um. Yeah, and like so, we go back to kind of like what you said with like Rushton because you know Rushton, you know whatever five ten five eleven, and then now you talk about Magic, who's the same if not a little bigger than you. Um, what did you prefer fighting guys your size or guys like Rushton's size? Well, I'd prefer to fight guys that are my size. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I fought guys like Bedard, and trying to think back to some of the small like guys that were not as big. Tasker, I didn't fight on the ice. I think was in more on the bench, but those guys are hard for me. I found it a little bit harder to fight those guys that weren't, you know, six feet or whatever. They're they're harder to handle. I mean, but when you get a guy that's your size, I think it's just for me anyway. I prefer to fight a guy six three, six four. So yeah, well, it, well, as as I don't know, we're as I'm thinking about it, and again, this again. Folks can probably go back to your long for your long interview, and uh, and I'm sure we covered most of this stuff. But um, I was just thinking in terms of the, of the fighting uh, with the jerseys. Um, did you do anything with your jersey? Did you get like uh, you know tie? Did you prefer tying it down? Did you prefer coming out of it? Did you do any tearaway sleeves or anything crazy? I don't. I'm not sure if I ever tied down in my life. I kept, but I don't. I'm not a guy that lose my jersey. But yeah, well, in the Central League, I had my sweater altered. I mean, it was like dulled out, like to come out of it. So in the East Coast League, not really, because wasn't a thing in the coast where you really. I don't know if they would let you get away with that, was altering jerseys as much as it was in the Central League. But like for me, and I'm so right hand dominant too. That's that's the other thing when you're fighting a guy like Magic or somebody that size, whatever, because. I, I'm so strong, like, want to use the right all the time. I'm not confident with my left. If I go left with a guy like that, yeah, I could, might work out well, but you're also leaving his right free, too. So, and you know, and, I, and not too many guys that fought that would overpower me or whatever, but I just felt he was a guy that when he tied up my right, and I think any time a guy did good with me is when you could tie me up, lock up my right hand, arm or whatever. Now I'm really kind of off balance because I can't go to the left so much, right? So I'm always I'm going to be fighting to get my right through you. Yeah? So with yeah. him and that, when they lock you up, you got you're you're matching guys that are really strong. There's another guy fought like that that was super strong was Jared Bednar. You know, That's I could what? probably put him on this list too. Like he's really upper body strong. Like I fought him twice, and the first fight, I felt like I was like a I I would have been like I was fighting a. I was 10 years old fighting a 20-year-old. Just physically strong at the end of my shift. And, I mean, he just felt like he was overpowering me, everything I do. Second time we fought, I was fresh. I got smarter about it and was really twisting him up. And I remember talking to a guy in South Carolina one time after 
he did a thing down there for uh, fighting, fighting in the East Coast hockey, league, and he said that was probably the hardest fight he ever seen that in a half. So there we go. Uh, yeah, throw it out. Well, and another name that you, yeah, you well, you talked about uh, Magic and Brophy getting them all wound up. Um, well, you of course played for the legendary John Brophy uh, during your time in which or uh, Wheeling, pardon me. Um, and I know I asked you, obviously, in the last interview, because how could you not? But uh, just, uh, and, I, and I know I'm throwing this at you out of the blue, but uh, do you have any any Brophy stories that you could share? Well, I, well, and first of all, did you get along with them? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Best coach. Honestly, best coach I ever had. So, like, I would have played for him. It, it was the one regret I had about going to Quebec is that I never came back to play for him again and back go back to Wheeling because I, I debated going back to Wheeling and I decided I wasn't even going to play that kind of wasn't sure I was going to play that year and that Laval just kept hounding me and hounding me and hounding me and they're throwing money around whatever I remember I, I got there and I he called me and I said I was going back to Quebec I was going to Quebec to play and I remember him on the voice and you shouldn't be playing there you should be playing here and I'll never forget it like it bothered me ever all the whole season and still even when I came got finished that I never actually went back and played for him in Wheeling oh I love the guy I'd do anything for him he's uh, he's not what people think I mean they think he's sending guys out there to do all that that is not that is complete opposite of what he expects you to know your job and not once did he ever tell you to go out and fight <laughs> it's just you, you did it out of re- you did it because you knew you had to do it, and you didn't want guys that were out there running around like idiots doing stupid shit. He was just, you know, if you fought in the last ten minutes of a game that you were losing big time, you probably weren't going to play the next game. Because his philosophy was, if you're here and you made the mess, you better stay in it to finish it off. So you don't get an easy way out. That's interesting. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you'd rather you fought. You'd rather you fought three seconds into the game than last three seconds, because right? you might as well fight when it matters. Because anybody can fight at the end of a game when it doesn't matter anymore. Right? The, well, yeah, that's that. That's an interesting philosophy. That's true. Um, yeah. Um, well, there we go. The uh, well, like when, like we from, when we went to Hampton Roads, all the fights that we played when he was coaching, like all our fights were like one, two, three, like right off the faceoffs. That's how he did it. So you knew when you went there. That's exactly was. That's how it was going to be. Probably wasn't going to be a lot of stuff at the end of the game. If they were losing, and we used to beat the shit out of them honestly all the time, like win big time. By the time the third period rolled around, they were quiet. They weren't going to do anything because they knew that that's that's just not how he played, right? Well, like you said, that's that's interesting because of course you know the perception and the uh, you know the reputation is, is you know the crazy old man that'll you know. Let's brawl, and it doesn't matter, and you know whatever. But uh, so for you to say, you know, like at the end of the game, because you think that would be when he would do it, right? And you know, out of his mm-hmm. reputation that people think. But yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah, I think Walsh told a story one time on Spit and Chicklets about the one with the coffee. Did you ever hear that one? No, I didn't. Yeah, like every time a guy kept coming in to the room, some kid or whatever. Like they tell you how much time before is in the like before the start of the game. There's a clock, but a kid kept coming in, like ten minutes, guys, whatever. And he was talking or whatever. Five minutes or whatever, and then down two minutes, 
finally he just kept like you could tell he was getting madder and madder every time the kid came in there. I, I I believe he threw the coffee at the kid he was holding when he came in the room. Yeah, that was a true story. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was an usher, but while she said it was a kid, so <laughs> There you go. Well, you, well, and you briefly mentioned about Tasker, and you said fighting him on the bench. Uh, what what yeah, was that? That was in uh, that was in Birmingham when we were. I was playing for Augusta. You <laughs> were. Uh, he was on. He was got. I don't know. He wasn't in Birmingham for like. I guess he just maybe got there. And then uh, I was playing with a guy named Bob Berg, eh? <laughs> so Berg, he knew who he was from the Colonial League. He's like, "Oh, Tasker's here." He said, "So like." Who the hell is this guy? Whatever. Oh, just wait till you see him. Whatever. But by the time we got on the ice, he was mouth was going in the warm up skate. In the morning, he was shooting pucks at us down by the glass, <laughs> going around, and he was uh, got in the game. And you could tell he doesn't get a, didn't get a lot of ice time. But he, I was in front of the bench, whatever, and he grabbed me. I had long hair, right? and he grabs me by the back of the hair, and he said something to me, and I just turned around and actually just blasted him like right back into the bench, whatever. I think I got it that one on video somewhere too, and we and it just turned into a whole melee. Everybody was in there. Thompson was there. We were fighting in the benches and everything. Everybody got kicked out. So, and uh, we were supposed to play Birmingham. I think like three weeks later, back in Augusta, and the league stepped in and suspended all of us only for the game that we were going to play each other. They wouldn't let. So I was like, can't wait to get back to Augusta. So we're going to get this guy or whatever. Eh? And sure enough, they stepped in, like, and suspended. I think they had, like, Pinfold and Pop and all those guys who were playing on Birmingham. So they had a pretty tough team, too, and got to Bogusta and nobody could play. Everybody was suspended. <laughs> but we, we ended up playing together and live, being good friends after playing Wheeling, so. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Uh, so was that, Matt, what were we saying? That was number three. So number two. Uh, two, I had Eric Bolton. Well, uh, well, yeah. Everybody knows Eric Bolton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We fought in well, way back in the coast. I think when he was still in Charlotte. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I, my teeth got a little bit shook around what time we were fighting with him because I didn't wear mouth guard at that time, and he clipped me one time in up in that fight, and I actually had to go in and get all my teeth like fixed after that. He's, he was a strong kid, man. Yeah, he was. It was a, you better fight him. You better be ready. <laughs> wow! Well, I don't think I had any idea who he was when we fought. Like when, we, when I got there, I wasn't really sure who he was because he doesn't look like a guy that you would be kind of, you know, puts up penalty minute numbers, but you didn't really know him. He's not a like a guy running around putting on a show or doing anything. Eh? But when you when you fought with him, man, you better be ready because he's a good fighter. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, right? I mean, we're talking at that point, uh, well, even throughout your career, it's like we're talking about the the 90s and the early 2000s, so there's no YouTube or anything. Um, so it's not like you can like get the heads up on these guys. Were you, or I mean, as much as you can, were you a video guy? Like, did you ever watch video on anybody? No. No. All you had was game notes, eh? Yeah. Right? So you'd see, basically you had the hockey news, eh? Like, yep. you'd look at the stats or whatever, they'd come out and well, who's this guy is like 350 minutes or 400 minutes. Well, you know he's a fighter or whatever, but you don't know what he's like. Or And then he comes on the ice, and Bolt's not a big guy. Like, he's only probably 6'1", eh? But he's really stocky or whatever. But he's uh, yeah, he's a good fighter. I mean, he watches NHL fights. There isn't too many where he doesn't – he's not in. He's in every one of them. 
Oh yeah, like that guy's career was amazing. I mean, and he was around forever yeah, and yeah. fought everybody. And yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah for sure, Eric Bolton. Yeah, that did, yeah, for sure, that doesn't need any explanation. But uh, mm-hmm. that's interesting that you didn't wear a mouth guard, or no, well, I'd you did maybe guard. after that. <laughs> after that is when I started wearing a mouth guard. Yeah, I clipped. I think I got eight teeth fixed after that fight. After because I, I was. Remember, we, got, we fought. wasn't a bad fight. Back, kind of back and forth, whatever. And come on, I got. I might have been at the end of the period, and I was going off the ice. And I'm like, son of a bitch, something's wrong with my. I keep spitting all these chunks out of my mouth, or whatever. And I'm like, I wasn't even sure what it was. I get back to the room, and I don't know if someone said, "Look at your teeth, man," or whatever. And all four of my front teeth and all four of my bottom teeth were sawed right off. Like, took took the tops and the bottom, like bottom part of each of those teeth right off. I had to go into the dentist that night and get one of them fixed because I need a root canal. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the so mouth guard after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you have, um, and it's interesting, well, it's just completely random, but uh, how did you like fighting with a mouth guard? Did that kind of mess you up at first? Like breathing-wise or yeah. anything? No, I actually no. After I got it in there, I don't think I could play without it. That's they fit so good. In yeah, for me, like that's true. Yeah, no, it almost becomes like a soother, right? You almost got to have it in there. No visor. No, I don't want no visor. That's for sure. I, that didn't bother me at all. But it couldn't be without my mouth guard. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Well, here we go. Uh, the number one. Well, number one, just because it was probably by the sheer number of fights that we had, and we had some pretty good ones, was uh, Joel Terrio. And, and, uh, fought in the coast, I think, and we fought in Quebec a few times. There's probably at least four or five, four fights for sure I can remember with that. So I put him at number one, and I got respect for the guy. I mean, he did it for years and showed up every night, and every fight you had with him, you, you know, he's another last too, right? So Yeah. You got your hands full with him. I mean, I think if you we were asking him, he'd probably say I was probably one of the guys that might give him the most trouble <laughs> we fought. So, you know, it's but yeah, I got him at number one. Well, that, well, there you go. You can't go wrong with that. And for those listening, if you want to go to my YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube, I have a few Dan Kopeck, Joel Terrio fights on there, and you do quite well against them. Um, had when you fought him in the coast and then you fought him later on in the Quebec League, had he changed at all? Like, were you surprised? Yeah, well, in the coast, he was in Hampton Roads, I think, and yeah, he was just coming out of junior. And but someone told me this kid had all these. That was, you know, you don't like you said, you don't know who anybody is, and especially coming out of junior. So it's not like I played against them in pro anywhere. And they said, well, this kid has all these penalty minutes, and he knocked out this uh, guy and in uh, Washington camp and I'm like so and honestly I don't want to be disrespectful but when we first got in the Hampton I'm like this guy like really I mean he was not very I mean he wasn't filled out he was just just a kid eh so he was shot he was only proud to be only 21 so we fought in uh, Hampton and I mean he did okay with me but I mean nothing that you were gonna nah this guy isn't what he thinks they think he is but give him time whatever but then we ended up running into each other back again, and I think I might have played against them even again in the coast after that, cross that somewhere. But I don't remember fighting them again until we got into back. Well, obviously, kid, growing up, and he's he's a big big man, you know. So, and 
the first fight we were going to have, I think there, I don't know if it's even, it might be on video, but that was going to be probably the best fight we had, but I ended up losing my balance and stumbling backwards, but that was another fight where I had him off the start again, but I think it just carried on after that, and I ended up, I think we ended up fighting a couple more times after that, but he was just one of those guys that we, every time we played, usually him and I were going to fight. I mean, I was just kind of was already on the card, right? So Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. like you said, well, and he did it for so long. And, uh, and, and I think, um, and, you know, and again, like you said, I think, uh, you know, everybody sees the, you know, the Quebec version of him and later on, especially. And, um, but back, you know, like in the coast and stuff, and even in junior, like, like I've been, he was a pretty solid player, like as a defenseman, he wasn't a bad player. No, no, like, I think he was not even, he might have been playing, oh, I'm trying to remember now, he might have been playing forward back in the coast when he came down there, and uh, just because we were lined up against each other on a face-off, so he obviously wasn't playing D.I. was, I think it was on the wall, and I think I started it with him just because I knew who he was, and he had all these, figured, you know what, it's just, just the way it goes, but he didn't do too bad, and I mean, it wasn't like, I don't think we ever fought again after that. I said, I think we played again, maybe played against each other. I'm not sure if he was in Jacksonville. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was in Jacksonville yeah, for a few years. We ran across each other, but we never really, we didn't really look for it or anything like that. So, but back, once we got to Quebec League, and I mean, he wasn't, uh, and he was, you know, I don't think he was quite like how he finished, how he was even at the Quebec League, because he had just kind of started there too. So, you know, he's a, you got probably you got better and better the older he got too. So, oh yeah, yeah for sure. Um, well, like you said, uh, well that's a great li- hell of a list. Um, well, you had a few fights there before it, when the anthem's on. You get fighting in the bench and yeah and all this. But uh, you know, back in the day when you're kind of like you know you're in warm ups and you're cruising around, um, who was a guy that was like a big uh, you know, he was always cruising center ice, always yapping. I mean, I guess Tasker for one, but was there anybody else that was just like, look at this donkey? <laughs> well, I was a guy that probably always kind of stayed close to the red line, but that's just where I spent most of my warm-up. I wasn't really one of those guys that was kind of, well, I know one guy that stuff always started in the, carried over from the warm-up was Pesiak. That was one guy because his his mouth always was going in the warm-up I, I can at least remember once in the coast for sure where something started it said something to me and when in, in Quebec too because I know there was a fight in Quebec that was from the warm-up so <laughs> and it, I think it started out with him and Martin Craig Martin and then I ended up getting into it and that was a pretty good mighty I think that was on one a video I got there that uh you might have sent me and I was watching that and I, I was always been looking for that warm up and, yeah. and we found it on there and over Zanzoff too if he was he was interested in that fight too because we we were all involved in that one eh? but how it started was pretty good because it took a long time to get going eh? it was in the warm up he had said something and Martin stopped in the warm up and it was back and forth for probably about two or three minutes before all hell broke loose eh? so but no one's really thinking that far ahead and has their camera back then or camcorder going because you know in Quebec you should have it going all the time so Yo, yeah well well yeah, that was because I mean I'm not sure if you listened to the Razanzoff interview but yeah uh, 
Yeah, Jesse's not a big fan <laughs> of uh, no. You know, and I, no, I, I like, you kind of let it go. I mean, by it, we're all old guys now, and it doesn't. You know, it's all whatever. Who cares? It's done with. Whatever. But so there isn't too many guys that you probably dislike, especially off the ice. Most of these guys are just doing their job. It's just you know, it is what it is. And you'd see them today. You'd probably run into them and laugh about everything or have a you know have a beer or whatever but uh, there might be a couple guys that I don't think so <laughs> might, he might be on my he might be on my list too so yeah I might be on the no drink list whatever yeah yeah you know what I mean so it's like I run across guys on social media that have they hey how's it going or whatever but yeah it's yeah he's a guy that might rub you a little bit the wrong way well I mean every, everyone has that right there's always a few guys um well, before I get out, well, speaking of, of uh, uh, in, maybe not Mo, but intense individuals, and I know you played with them, obviously, and, and I just want to get, and again, we would have talked about this in your other interview, but just for the, the new listeners here for while we're sitting here, uh, <laughs> the meat grinder, Marty Melnichuk. You got any stories about Marty? Oh, Marty, Marty. You know, like, he's a good friend of mine. I mean... That's I, I want to see him again, and I haven't seen him. I saw him once since we played, and the, I don't know. It, it was just his stories with Marty are not even as much on the ice as the fun we used to have off the ice. Like it was just everything was because we lived right beside each other in the same building, and he was kind of like a little brother to me. Eh? So we'd always go to the rink together, we hung out together, and but uh, he, yeah, he's. I think the time he tried to stop Pizziak in San Antonio, San Antonio one time with his skates, it was just like I was in the penalty box and we were fighting and something all hell broke loose on the ice in San Antonio. And I swear to God, it was like one of those ones where he's on the ice and I'm trying. I was going to come out of the penalty box and fight. And I can't remember who was ref, but he just kept pointing at me like, "Get back in there!" I had one leg over the boards, you know. And Pizziak's right in front of the the door, or whatever, and. Uh, laying on the ice and Malachuk tried to stomp on the skate and I think Pizziak rolled over to try to and he missed him or whatever right? oh, was, yeah that's that's Marty man like what you got him going oh, and, he, and that guy got Marty going too like it, was, like it wasn't the first time I think every time we played him it was just like it turned into a shit show eh? so that's Marty man uh, well he's still he's, that dude's still living the life man what is he running the bar out there in Edmonton and yeah, he looks like he's partying all the time. Yeah, I heard he's got. I heard he like manages those uh, kind of like a yeah for concerts or whatever. Yeah, music yeah, and everything they have in the bar. Yeah, he's the one guy I like to run into again when I go to Edmonton. I'm going to try to track him back down. But uh, yeah, we used to have some good times off the ice, <laughs> riding in his jeep in the snowstorm back and forth. To, we lived like five miles from the rink, and he had his jeep with no rag top on it with full of holes and everything and coming back from road trip and getting into Wichita at like 3 in the 4 in the morning and we have like a foot of snow in the Jeep and we're wrapped up in blankets driving down the interstate yes, coming back home well, I was that yeah, was always fun with him yeah, the, the meat grinder Why I was trying to get him on the show and he said well I'll do your show but it's got to be live and at the bar here in Edmonton 
I was like, oh, all right, well. Oh, really? Yeah, so I was like, okay, well, I said, well, what, once they, uh, maybe when they lift the pandemic here and we, uh, you know, we can get back to normal, maybe uh, in the fall, maybe I'll be doing a live interview with the meat grinder from his from his bar there in Edmonton. But, uh, yeah, he, um, yeah, he, he's sort of, a, he's definitely a legend for sure. Uh, yeah, that's a guy I always say that I was very surprised that ne- actually never ended up in the Quebec League. Like, you talk about a dude that's tailor-made for that league, it would have been him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he he liked fighting, and it mattered to him. Like, especially, like, he couldn't lose. If he lost, it would just, like, I mean, God help the guy the next time they were going to play each other because he would chase them around the rink or whatever. Hey, but on and he's a guy, honestly, if we played against each other, they he's I considered him such a good friend and I mean there's no way I'd fight with that guy just out of respect and being friends or whatever I mean I know guys say oh it's just part of, oh game we go fight no way I have too much considered him like I said like a brother and there's no way I would ever drop the gloves on him and fight him there's too many other guys to scrap but but I definitely like playing with him because he was he always made me laugh and there was always something going on with him especially in the warm up he's a guy in the warm up too he's he skates around. He likes to get it going. He always had his helmet off, or whatever, and his hair was like hanging over his eyes. And he wasn't a very big guy then, too. When we played, he was, you know, he got pretty big once he got older. Like, you know, he was hitting the weights and stuff. But then he was barely two hundred pounds when we played in Wichita. So. Yeah, then you see, like, yeah, when in, in Arkansas and stuff. Yeah, he got. Uh, but yeah, with the long hair there and everything, and yeah, like I said, just a showman, right? Like I said, oh, he could have made a pile of money in Quebec. They would have loved him down there, or up there, I guess. But uh, yeah, that would have been something to see the meat grinder in, in Quebec. But uh, well, there we go. That's uh, the the five the 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 five toughest opponents for Dan Kopech. That was a that was a hell of a list, man. And uh, like I said, I I told you tonight I wouldn't I wouldn't keep you for too long. I appreciated on short notice that you that you came on here and you told some great stories. And and like I said for everyone listening, please go back and check out Dan's full length interview because there's a ton more stories. And I know you told some really good ones then too. But uh, uh, I really appreciate you doing this again. Yeah, no, it's like second time around is probably better time because once you once you've done them one with a podcast, of, you know the first time you're not really too sure what to expect, but after you get off and you start thinking well I now I remember this and I remember that I should have said this so it's nice to get another chance so maybe another time down the road we can oh, for sh- the shit again well I, mean, I could guarantee you probably have a million stories that haven't been you haven't told but uh, well yeah that's the thing with the podcast right it's it's like always like the job interview your best answers are on the drive home you know it never fails right yeah <laughs> yeah for sure yeah, yeah. Um, well and I was going to say before oh, I get you off the arm I'm going to put we ended up rooming together next time and after we had scrapped in Birmingham or whatever and hadn't seen him again all of a sudden they told me he was my roommate in Wilkes-Barre's camp so <laughs> some other time well, okay well yeah we'll save that one because I'll definitely have you back on um well, I'm going to put you on the spot here while, I'm, while we're recording but you you've mentioned I might you might have that on video how much video do you have I didn't even know you had video I've got probably two hours of fights that I've got from mostly East Coast League fights 
Brian Wells used to smash all the game tapes in Wichita, so we'd end up losing everything, you know, like, cause, I don't know, he'd go out of control after every game and end up in a pile of plastic out and behind the box oh. all the time, so so I used to spray and everything, but I tried keeping everything from Raleigh and Augusta. I have a good chunk of the fights from that time, too. I just, I got to get them off of an old 8mm tape and get them off to DVD. I got to find Oh, yeah, so we need, okay. Well, I'll uh, I'll look into that for you. We'll fi- we'll figure something out because we got to see this stuff. Yeah. You start losing the quality eh, so long, like after they sit for so long, like and then I and I edited them all. Like I took all the fights out of it and got rid of all the dead time and put it all together on one eight millimeter tape or whatever. So they're on there. I just got to hook it up to a TV and get a DVD recorder hooked up to find somebody that can do it, eh? So. Absolutely. Yeah, we got to get that. We gotta, so the, the world needs to see some Dan Kopeck tilts because I've seen a few and they're damn good. So, yeah, we need to get those out there. But, uh, yeah, for sure. Well, all right, Matt, I won't keep you any longer, but uh, thank you very much for coming on and doing this again. And this certainly, again, will not be the last time I have you on. But, uh, anyway, I'll let you go. Thank you, Dan, very much. No problem. Happy to do it. Excellent. Thanks, man. All right. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 